Hello, everyone. My name is Griffin, and this is Flight Sim Edge. It's the podcast that has to do with everything involving flight simulation, our favorite hobby. If you found us and you're new here, uh, you probably found us by accident or, as they say, serendipity, because we do no promotion. As far as I know, we are not promoted on any podcast vehicle, um, companies that uh, broadcast podcasts, and we do not cross-promote on any social media. We do not advertise on any website. We do not do any kind of spam or email promotion. And we're not sponsored by any company or manufacturer. So good for you. And good for us, because you are most welcome. If you've listened to this show before, well then, we welcome you back and you are indeed welcome home. It is Thursday, October 28, 2021. It is about 3.20 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. And we broadcast from beautiful, beautiful Tampa Bay, USA. Although it's a little bit uh, rainy and cloudy and stormy, we're getting the tail end of that uh, big storm that's sweeping across uh, the lower 48 and... uh, we always get it last, and it's always not nearly as uh, intense as it is further north. But um, we'll take it. It's going to bring some cool re- uh, temperatures and knock down the humidity a few points. So we'll take a little wind and rain if that's the result. Um, welcome to our, what are we on, 16th episode. And this is... The Halloween Spooktacula Show. We're going to talk about something really scary like the SU6 update. (laughs) If that doesn't terrify you, then nothing else will. And we're going to have a flight sim adventure that should be spooky, creepy, weird. So hopefully you guys... uh, will enjoy that and um, I hope you enjoy the Halloween show sit back relax get a beverage of your choice get a candy bar maybe (laughs) and prepare to spend a couple hours listening uh, about your favorite hobby. So we have a full itinerary and a full manifest and we will see all, all of you beautiful people. On the flip side, wheels up. It's funny, I, I, like I've told you before on previous broadcasts, I 
I know, um, I don't know, how do I put this? I study patterns. I observe patterns. And one of the patterns that I've observed here in Florida, although it doesn't seem to be recognized as such, um, is that really the first kind of cool weather, the first kind of weather that has a little bit of a snap to it seems to be, always seems to be, not always, but often seems to be around Halloween. And it looks like that's going to be the case um, this year too. Although they're saying, oh, Halloween's going to be cool. It's usually hot. And I have not found that to be true. I remember as a kid, you know, trick-or-treating, that being out in the night air and it had that little bit of a snap. And then I remember taking my daughter's trick-or-treating and the and I observed the same thing. So I don't know. I You know, I suppose if you looked at uh, weather history, you know, I'm completely and totally wrong. <laughs> but it always seemed to me that, uh, or often seemed to me, um, that the first kind of cool bite in the air here in the Tampa Bay area was uh, always around... Um, Halloween. So uh, to me, the pattern is remaining the same. Our daughters are 14 and 15 years old, prospectively, and uh, they're looking forward to homecoming, which will be tomorrow. That's an American tradition uh, that centers around football. It's usually the last game uh, of the season or close to the last game of the season unless the team made it to the playoffs. Our team has been plagued uh, or my daughter's uh, high school team has been uh, plagued with um, uh, various situations that have not allowed them to have a very successful season. But they won their last two games. The last game they won uh, by a huge margin, 46 to nothing or something crazy like that. And then they're having the homecoming game. And if they win the homecoming game, that's three games in a row. Uh, and you're talking about a season that uh, really only has, uh, you know, seven maybe seven uh, games in it and uh, maybe four or five division games. So depending on who those teams were and if we win the homecoming game, um, there's a possibility that they might have uh, a playoff opportunity. Um, but I don't know for sure. But anyway, uh, they have the, the, the big game. It's, it's at home, hence the name homecoming. And then they have a dance uh, to kind of celebrate the whole thing. They have Spirit Week all week, and they have the big game, and then they have a dance, hopefully celebrating a victory. Um, it's kind of a downer if your team loses the homecoming game, but uh, there's still a dance. <laughs> and this is their first kind of real dance. They did the little kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, sort of... Uh, Middle school had these little things that they called a dance, but uh, um, it, in my opinion, I don't, you know, it was just basically kids jumping around and running around to, to music or whatever. But uh, they don't have dates. They're not allowed to date. They're still too young. But they have friends. 
uh, crossing the myriad of gender choices that are available today. So uh, they have a group of friends and uh, they'll 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 go and hang out with that group and hopefully they'll they'll dance and have a good time. Um, one is a freshman. My youngest daughter's a freshman. My older daughter is a uh, junior. Um, but this is her first year of high school because, uh, um, as I explained in previous broadcasts, her parental unit, I won't get into the details of which, uh, her other parental unit, uh, um, was, uh, kept her in, uh, e-school. Um, and, uh, so this is her first year of real high school and she's loving it. She's the vice president of the theater group and she's in the keyboard class and my youngest daughter is in marching band and orchestra. She plays the clarinet and the, uh, oh, if I said the cello, she'd kill me. Viola, that's it. Uh, we paid enough money for it. I should remember the name of it. But uh, anyway, um, they're really enjoying high school a lot and it's great to see them uh, enjoy it. I thought high school um, were the best years of my life. I really, really, really do, other than um, meeting my beautiful, gorgeous wife. Um, so our two daughters are enjoying uh, all the uh, trappings of fall in the Americana style, if you will. Um we will not be giving out any candy this year. We bought candy last year, and because we live on the second floor, I guess this generation of kids um, is uh, lazy. We would have gone to the second floor to get candy. No problem. Somebody was out there handing candy, you know, we'd be all about it. But the kids don't go up bother to climb the stairs to go to the second floor. Uh, so I think we had maybe one or two that braved it. Um, so there's just no point in hanging out candy. In our, our last apartment, we were on the second floor and we noticed the, uh, the same thing. So obviously it's a thing. Nobody goes up to the second floor. Um, maybe there's some sort of stranger danger safety issue about that. Um, so, which makes, I could see where that would make sense. But anyway, um, it's disappointing because we would get the candy. I'd make sure that it was candy that I enjoyed. And then, oh, there's no trick-or-treaters to eat the candy. And uh, I, I sure to open the bag and put it in a container, you know, for the, if the, you know, fic fictional trick-or-treaters came up. They could reach in a big colander or something. But I don't do that for effect. I do that because if we didn't open the bags, my wife would simply say, oh, just take them back to the store and exchange them for something else. So, uh, yeah, but we're not going to buy candy this year. And that saddens me because... That was usually my candy supply for the next several weeks. <laughs> <laughs>
but I guess that's not going to happen uh, this year. We are in uh, the market for a home. And uh, so uh, um, we're watching every penny and every dime and every nickel. Um, I uh, heard about a penny. I believe it's a 1991. Now, this would be probably only uh, pertinent to Americans. Um, but Canadians get a lot of uh, uh, U.S. coinage. Um, we get uh, 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 coins from Canada all the time, loonies and toonies and everything else. And everyone's like, where can I spend this? You know, um, but that's another story. Um, the uh, uh, um, There's an American penny. And I believe it was issued 1991. And on the reverse, if you look at uh, the United States of America, um, the the words written uh, in the coin, America, the A and the M are kind of a little bit squished together. They're a little bit closer together. It's it's hard to see. I've seen photographs of it, and now I can pick it up. And that. Should you be so lucky to find that coin is a very, apparently a very, very valuable coin worth uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. So uh, keep your eye out on that. Maybe you'll have a Christmas miracle and uh, find that uh, find that penny. Um, I just uh, found out about it. Now, I've heard about the ninth, you know, there's one from 1932 and all of that kind of stuff, or maybe that's a quarter or a nickel, I forget. But, uh, you know, what are the odds of having a 1932 coin in, in in circulation where you could reach in your pocket and pull out coins and, and look? As a kid, I looked, you know, because it was worth, uh, I believe that one was worth uh, uh, close to a million. But, you know, 1932, eh, it's not going to happen. But, 1991 is extremely possible. I wish I remember what the worth was. It was like 30,000 or 50,000, something like that. I mean, to reach in your pocket and pull out a penny and uh, and find out it's worth, you know, $30,000 or $50,000. Wow. That would be a holiday miracle for sure, would it not? And uh, good for you if anyone uh, does find it. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting story only because, like I said, you know, 1991 pennies are still very much uh, in circulation. They're, they're you know, uh, easy to find. So good luck to everyone out there and and that search. <laughs> so I wanted to, um, and I'm drinking my uh, iced tea beverage. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. Remember I talked to you on the last broadcast that I was going to do an experiment and we just didn't have time to do it. And it was a very simple experiment and I told you that too. Well, I did it. Uh, and that was plugging the mouse, uh, my mouse, which is not, as far as I know, um, there's nothing on the, in, in the literature or the box nomenclature or anything like that, uh, 
that uh, says that it's compatible with a gaming console. So I was interested in seeing how it worked within Microsoft Flight Simulator. And it works pretty good. It's a little jumpy. Um, it might be because I'm using uh, the mini desk that my wife has. She puts uh, That's where she does her work when she brings it uh, home. And uh, she has her laptop set up there and, and uh, various uh, things. And, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, I'll have to experiment with it a little bit more. But it does uh, go through the menus um, uh, much easier than uh, using the hand controller. You can, of course use it as an input device in regards to flying your aircraft, but uh, I don't use a mouse for that, so I won't be doing that. I'm still going to be waiting for the um, Turtle Beach release of their uh, controller. So um, until then, uh, flying on uh, the Xbox, Series X um, is a uh, it's it's almost an impossibility. I mean, there I shouldn't say that. I really shouldn't say that because there are people that do it and are doing it. Um, but I just don't. I don't have the capacity to do it. I, if they're doing it on a hand controller. That is amazing. Um, I just do not have. And, and I use a hand controller. I don't use it for flight simulator. But, you know, I, I play different other video games. Um, and uh, I use a hand controller. And, uh, but uh, I cannot use that hand controller um, for flying a, uh, an aircraft within Microsoft Flight Simulator for anything in the world. But yes, I, I plugged it in while the simulator was on and then it went to the page where it recognized an input device and, you know, had the keyboard default, mouse default, and, you know, you choose and, and go uh, from there. And I exited uh, that uh, that menu, and I and I uh, navigated around the simulator uh, in various different menus, and it was uh, easy to do, and uh, it made it uh, um, much more uh, intuitive, at least to me to be able to get around the simulator on the Xbox Series X console. So that was indeed the experiment and I think I will call it a success. All right, so let's get down to the scary terrifying SU6 apparently 
people are pulling out their hair over this one, folks. It is stumbling and bumbling a lot of people in their flight sim experience. And I have a uh, um, five things that you should do that's going to make this uh, be a little bit smoother. And we'll get into those uh, details in a little bit. But what I really want to get into is one of the main things that I'm seeing complaints about on the forums. And go in the forums and see. Um, S, you know, SU6 performance issues would be, you know, the tag I would try to, to, to search um, the topics of whatever forums you participate in. And um, you're going to see some stuff. <laughs> And one of the things you are seeing is uh, overall performance, lower FPS. And if you look into now, um, not everybody, um, uh, if you found me in there, you you'd see that my specs, if you click on the person's name, it goes to a little profile. Some people have hardly anything in their profile. Some people have a very detailed profile and it's uh, kind of weird that they have so much information about themselves and everything on there. But uh, what to look for is their computer specs. Because what you're gonna find or what I have found. And um, I'll put a ratio of 9 out of 10 times. It's higher than that. Like uh, maybe let's go with uh, 19 out of 20 times. you're going to find that it is an NVIDIA GPU. And I've made inquiries. You know, uh, there are some that say, you know, loaded it, works fine. Not only does it work fine, I'm getting improved frame rates. And when you click on those profiles, about seven out of 10 times, it's a Radeon card. Folks, this started as a almost as a question. Hey, if Microsoft is going to come out with a Xbox Series X version 
And an Xbox Series X is an AMD processor and an AMD uh, graphics solution, GPU. Well, wouldn't the flight simulator work best on both those things? That was my first initial question, and we're talking about in 2019. Uh, 2020, I'm sorry. And I got lambasted for it. I thought it was a simple, logical question. The more research I did, the more that question flipped into a hypothesis. And I believed in that theory so much that sight unseen, I said to myself, because I had to build a new computer, I'm going to build an AMD Ryzen Radeon computer. The Ryzen CPUs had been outperforming the Intel CPUs for a year and a half now. And it didn't make sense that this was going to be a single core, high speed core based simulator because if that was the case, it was not going to run on the Xbox Series X. but the Xbox Series X had eight cores. I remember people talking about, oh, it won't be multi-core. Oh, it's still going to be single. This is how flight simulators look. Go back into the forums and, and go, go back 10 months and further back. And my initial response was, well, then it's not going to run on an Xbox Series X because the clock speed on an Xbox Series X is not that great. It's like 3.8. But it's got eight cores. So, I built the new system with an 8-core Ryzen seven fifty eight hundred x and a Radeon 6800 XT. 
and what we we started to see performance gains that I didn't see equalized with Nvidia and Intel. about seven or eight months ago. And then six months ago, I was like, look guys, this is what I'm saying. I know this was my theory. I know that it, it stands to reason that you guys would think that I would bolster my theory, but the reality is this is what I'm saying. It's what I'm seeing across the board. We saw it a little bit on SU5. A little bit. Enough where people were like, oh, Griff, I think you're just seeing what you want to see. And we're seeing it even bigger in this update. You know, that same update came through through Xbox Series X and it's fine. Load's fine. Everything's fine. So does it seem so impossible that if that update is smooth on the Xbox Series X that it's smooth on an AMD computer system? Doesn't sound too wackadaisical of a theory to me, a result. Now I totally believe that there will be fixes. And things will be smoother on NVIDIA cards. And the simulator will run fine on, on it. But my premise was that the sim is going to run smoother. It's going to be an overall better experience. How better? Noticeably better. Noticeably better. I see people on the forum saying there should be ray tracing. Does the simulator not look good enough for you? <laughs> I mean, it's the best looking game and I play next generation games on my Xbox Series X. I have Game Pass, so, you know, I'll download a game and play it just to see what it looks like. And it's gorgeous, but it's nothing like Flight Simulator. 
the NVIDIA audience is starting to notice that its performance is not exceeding that of an AMD performance and they're getting upset. And they want Microsoft to write a special code so that their graphic cards can run it better. Despite the fact that it's gorgeous and smooth There's very little tearing issues or stutter issues. Because they bought into this ridiculous marketing ploy that AMVID, that Nvidia runs games better and ray tracing is better and is some sort of new technology that Nvidia invented and that their solution is the only solution and or the best solution. And ladies and gentlemen, it's marketing. Well, I'm gonna buy a Camaro over a, a Mustang, why? Because Chevrolet says it's better. <laughs> well, I'm gonna buy a Mustang over a Camaro, why? Well, because Ford says it's better. It's marketing, people. It's all that it is. And the long and short of it is Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 specifically shows that it's just marketing. This simulator is probably one of the best well-written simulators to ever come out. And no matter what system you have, no matter how you're running it, You have to recognize that this is a new evolution in flight simulation. People want this to run like an old simulator. I've seen complaints that I hate this simulator because clock speed doesn't seem to matter. I saw this whole thing about a guy that wrote 
that he has his uh, an, an Intel CPU and it's running at 5.5 or something like that. And he has somebody else that has a CPU that's running at 4.7, 4.8. And I, I'm not sure if it's a Ryzen or an Intel. He just gave the clock speed of, of the person that he was making a comparison with. And that the simulator runs just as smooth on his. And it, the simulator should run better on his because his clock speed is 5.5. And it must be a crappy simulator if it doesn't recognize that clock speed because on X-Plane 11, it would run much faster on his CPU than his friend's CPU that has the 4.7. This is the level of stupidity that is out there now. This simulator doesn't care about individual clock speed. About single core clock speed, I should say. That's not what it's designed to do. Because I hate to tell that guy the people that have gaming systems where their CPU is overclocked and he's probably got some huge radiator liquid cooled monstrosity that's keeping his CPU cool That's not the average PC user. That's not even the average gaming PC user. That's not even the average advanced gaming PC user. Now, I'm not going to lie. Microsoft Flight Simulator needs a good system to run it. If you're in the flight simulator world and from the PC angle, you know that a simulator uses the highest level technology available to it. And this simulator is no different.
but it is not like simulators of the past. It just isn't, folks. And if you keep trying to squeeze this simulator through the prism of the past, you're going to have problems running this simulator. And this update proves that pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt. I remember getting into the debate when I when I first saw that it was going to have its own um, marketplace. And I said, it's going to be, you know, I said on the forums. This simulator is going to be a breath of fresh air. It's going to be great to just buy a product click download and it runs it shows up in your hangar and you're off to the races I had bought a product third-party product for my X-Plane 11, it was not. I followed the instructions. And it was not working. It was not showing up. The thumbnail was not showing up. Isn't it nice we don't have to worry about thumbnails anymore? I'm sure it pisses some people off. There are some people that if it's not hard, it's not a hobby. They love the fact that there were simu in, simu in simulation world that there were some things that were so difficult that only few people could manage to get it to work. And And when they were able to manage to get it to work, everybody else was just a moron. Well, they're the morons. The hobby is about the joy of flight. Learning about your airframe. Applying different usages with that airframe. Learning the history of that airframe. And mastering the characteristics of that airframe. That's the hobby.
getting a third-party piece of software to work when half the people that bought that product, that paid the same money for that product, can't get it to work, does not make it a hobby. And so I bought this product when Microsoft have already made their announcement as to what was coming down the road. And it talked about the marketplace. And I was fed up and I said, I can't wait till I have a simulator where I could just buy what I want to buy. And it loads because it's within the simulator. And everyone told me I was an idiot, and everyone told me that I was doing it wrong. And sure enough, I got an email from the manufacturer, and they said, you're right, this is a bug, this is how you fix it, you got to do this, this, and this. And they gave me a specific code that I had to cut and paste. And even that code was wrong and it didn't work, but I was able to see what they were trying to do and I tweaked their code and got it to work. I'm not a coder by any means, but I'm not a neophyte either. This is a different simulator. And trying to squeeze a round peg into a square hole is not going to work with this simulator. You want difficult things to download. You want to squeeze in. Uh, you want to change the code of the program. Get another simulator. Don't complain every time there's an update. Your special little whatever you did to make yourself feel good about your simulator suddenly doesn't work because Microsoft doesn't know 
all the hinky little things that people are doing to their source code. So we're going to get into five things, and this is, I'm going to talk about some of these steps ex exclusively and about why that shouldn't have been done in the first place. in my opinion. And we'll go through them. And if you implement these things, uh, your SU6 should run a lot smoother regardless of what system you're running. If you fly an Xbox Series X, this might make you feel good about that fact. Because you won't have to do any of these things. All right, gang. Let's get into it. Okay, so some of the things that uh, can happen with with uh, with SU six is that, uh, and this is across the board, um, is. Uh, Worst case scenario, you have to reinstall the entire simulator. So um, we're trying to avoid that, if at all possible. And uh, um, so try to do these five things, and SU6 is either going to download better, if you haven't downloaded it already by now, that came out on the 19th, I believe, and uh, it'll it'll run better if if you do these. Uh, this has been a reoccurring issue. It's been debated with other um, uh, simulator updates. But uh, go ahead and delete the rolling cache and just switch that off. Um, it, it, everybody seems to agree that it it just runs better uh, when when you don't have that. Uh, the rolling cache going. So delete that, clear that out of there, and uh, um, that's going to be the, the first step you're going to take. Number one, delete rolling cache. Number, the number two thing you're going to want to do is just get rid of Navigraph. Just delete it all together. Um... You know, everything that you need to, to fly in Flight Simulator is self-contained. Um, I know that there are third-party mods that uh, do this and do that, but... Um, they can't keep up with the updates in Microsoft Flight Simulator. 
Um, it just... It just... They... You know, the third parties just can't do it. For the most part. And this is one, you know... Navigraph is one of those things that uh, that really it slows down your simulator. And, um, you know, I know people like it, but when it's installed, um, it, it affects the, the way the navigator, the way the simulator runs. So, uh, I'm sorry for all the people that are big Navigraph fans. Um, it it just does not work well uh, as far as simulator performance goes. And uh, I touched upon this in the in earlier in the in the program. Um, if you changed your config settings and why what is it going to do is it going to you know give you an extra <laughs> this is not like old simulators And this is where we talked about, you know, trying to cram a square peg into a round hole. It is not like old simulators. And your So if you messed around with the config settings at all, this update's going to crush you. And this is one where you could have corrupted the simulator to the point where you have to reinstall it all over again. So you're going to want to restore your config settings to the original config settings that was part of the code of the simulator original code and um, the Navigraph users uh, just want to make sure you use the Navigraph app itself to uninstall it completely okay it has to be completely uninstalled using its own uninstall software to uninstall it. Step three, restore config settings to its original settings. Really, guys. I, this is not X-Plane 11. It is a completely different simulator uh, it's like a I'm trying to think of the words I'm trying to 
this simulator is as sophisticated as an OS. You know, it's it's like its own operating system. And and so doing the kind of goofball things that uh you did with X Plane Eleven and some of the others, um to 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 fix some sort of perceived problem. They're going to fix it. Okay? And if it's a performance issue, you know, it might be your hardware. You might need to update your hardware. Tweaking the program itself is not going to be an answer. Three, restore config settings. If you did mess with your config, and this is like the part two to to, to three, so it's it's four steps or or five steps depending on on I guess on on what you did but uh, if you did play around with the config settings try to find if you if you uh, cut out the con original config setting paste that back in if you don't have that you can try to edit your config You can go back and edit and and remove the what you did to it. Um, hopefully you backed it up. If you backed it up, just put those back in there. If if you did if you don't have that, then you can try to go back and edit the config settings to their original settings, but a lot of people are saying that that does not work. So there you go. Step uh, one through three, and that's uh, um, restore config settings. And then if you can't restore them, you can edit them uh, back to where they were. So that's 3.2, I guess. And fourth and finally, you guys aren't going to like it. You got to empty your community folder. Um, don't have two community folders in there. The simulator is not expecting two community folders in there. So if you have two community folders in there, that's going to be an issue. And so uh, step four also has a, a um, A and B, and that is anything that's in there, get rid of it. The community folder, just have it empty. And, um, and if you're going to take what's out of there, 
put it in a folder that has nothing to do with the simulator. So all the mods that you have in there, and you know my feeling on mods in, in a community folder, the fewer the better, and this is why. <laughs> Griffin, why did you say that? Here's why. Because when there's stuff in the community folder that the sim doesn't understand, it's going to try to update that. And if it doesn't, if it's not able to update those things, it's going to crash and burn. <laughs> so empty your community folder and run the program with an empty community folder. Okay, so here's four. Empty the community folder. B, if you empty the community folder, put it somewhere that's completely outside of the simulator program. C, run the program with an empty community folder first. D, add the parts that are in your community folder back to the community folder if you're if you if you really want those mods and do it one at a time put one in restart the program put two in restart the program but griffin that is a pain in the ass yes i know Which is why I say you never want more than two or three things in the community folder. Because the process to restore your simulator after an update is and can be tedious. I know people that have like 20 things in there. They're going to have to reload Microsoft Flight Simulator 20 separate times and then run it. Don't just put it in and exit. You got to run it and see if there's an error to see if it crashes. So, you know, you got to do a flight, you got to do whatever. It's really, really, really time-consuming. And so the mods that you're going to want to put in there, you're going to really love. Because just having a bloated community file is going to lead to issues. So, I don't have anything in my community folder, so I don't have to worry about it. There is no add-on to me that is worth the instability of my sim. Now, I know people live and breathe with VATSIM. If, if you're a VATSIMmer and that is your boo... If that is your thing, you got to have that. 
then then have that be your only thing. And and put it in there and and and, and take it out, you know, when you up when you have to do the update and then put it back in. And keep your VAT sim up to date uh as much as possible too. So um those are the things that's going to allow the SU6 to uh, download and or work uh, better. So good luck with all of that, guys. Coming up next is our spooky, spectacular flight sim adventure. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I'll see all you guys on the flip side. Wheels up. I wanted to add um, to that before we do, do the flight sim adventure. Um, when you're entering the community folder, you got to empty the community folder. Then do the SU6 uh, update and then add things one at a time after the SU6 update. Uh, no, then add the SU6 update, then run it. Run Microsoft Flight Simulator after the update. Ex get, get the update, exit it, re start it this is all with an empty community folder mind you so empty your community folder exit do the update exit run the simulator with the update then add your mods to your community folder one at a time running you know exit add it to your community folder run it do do a bunch of stuff to make sure i like to do uh, a landing um you know one of the landing uh challenges that's one of the things i do um i go to my home airport in my plane i do a cold and dark um, start, um, I do a landing challenge. Those are the, the, the things that I do. Um, so, you know, run the program doing some activities, um, exit, then add the next mod. So yeah, it's a, it's a long, it's a long process. You know, I'm into cars. And I'm in the modding cars. And car modders will tell you, and it's interesting because it, it, we're talking about mods, is when you're modding your car, you don't put in a bunch of mods at the same time. If you're going to do a cold air intake and you're going to do a... Uh, um, put in a larger intercooler... Um, and you're going to put in a uh, um, 
a tune on your ECU, okay, let's say those are the three mods you were going to do, you don't want to do all of those at the same time. If you're, if you're having a mechanic do those things, you don't want to have him do them at the same time. You're going to want to add one thing, drive the car around, make sure the engine is responding well to that modification, make sure that you're getting the performance that you want from that modification, then you add the next thing. Because then if something goes wrong with the car, you know what mod what modification you did is not working well with the car. If you add all three in, then you're going to be bouncing back and forth between those three things, trying to figure out, and then it, you make a big, giant mess. So the same is true when you're modding Flight Simulator or when you have mods in the Flight Simulator uh, with an update. you got to add them one at a time and make sure your simulator runs well. If you add a mod and then the simulator crashes and it blue screens and it didn't do that with the other mods, then you know which mod is doing it. And so that's the, the theory uh, behind that. Okay, guys, sorry to interrupt. Now we are going <laughs> to the Flight Sim Adventure. See you on the flip side. Okay, gang. So we're going to want to take the uh, Cessna 52 out for a little flight. We want to fly kind of low and slow to get the best effect of what Flight Simulator has to offer. And we are going to be flying over the beautiful and mysterious island of Cyprus this Halloween night. This is going to be a VFR flight. And we are going to take off from Lanara International Airport. That is... L-C-L-K, and our that's our on runway four. We're just going to take off from uh, the runway four on our departure, and our arrival is going to be um, L-C-N-C Mamari runway number 26. And as we fly, I will give you the history of this mysterious airport that we are going to land on. So get everything loaded up. Oh, also you want to set the time for 5.30 p.m. And you want the flight conditions to be, uh, on Halloween night, it's perfect. It's stormy conditions, but you're going to want to set, uh, the, to, uh, set the conditions to rain if you set it for storm on the artificial storm, it's a little bit too strong. The storm is not that strong live, but it's definitely raining. So you're going to want to set all of those things up and we're going to fly direct GPS. So get that all loaded into your uh, flight planner on uh, the world map on your flight simulator and uh, we'll see you on the runway. All right, so you're in your Cessna 152. Visibility as it stands right now is 9.62 nautical miles. And um, we are uh, getting ready to fly. 
Okay, so we're going down the runway in the Cessna 152. And we're taking off at about 75 knots. Flaps up. We're going to go around 2,200 feet or so. We're taking off in a um, easterly direction, and we're going to slowly make a kind of a slow turn to a northwest direction. We're climbing at about 95 knots, and we are about just about 500 feet and climbing. We're taking that slow turn. It'll be marked on your VFR map. If you activate that, I like to activate that. I consider my little, I consider that my little uh, iPad device um, in my plane, no matter where, what I'm flying. So uh, I don't feel it's, it's cheating at all. We are continuing to climb as we make our uh, northwest turn. We are coming through 1,000 feet. And we're still uh, holding steady at about um, 90 knots. So this airport So this airport is fairly famous, uh, fairly infamous. It uh, is used to be called the um, the Nicosia International Airport, and it is a one of the largest abandoned airports in the world. It was largely disused. Um, in uh, 1974, with the Turkish invasion and then the peacekeeping, the United Nations peacekeeping force uh, uses it now. You'd have to um, actually sneak on uh, to the airport if you were, uh, and some YouTubers have, and uh, I invite you to type in that. Now, Microsoft... Uh, still has the same um, still has the same uh, you know identification code which is uh, the um, LN the LCNC and when you land it's like a modern kind of in use airport you have to get out of your airplane and go in showcase mode and just wander around to get the idea of how spooky it is. 
when we land uh, on the computer that I'm flying right now, I'm actually going to switch to the Xbox and we can hear uh, the storm and the sound effects as we wander around this property in search of the abandoned uh, terminal. It's not as easy to find as uh, you would think. Okay, so we are definitely um, uh, in mid-flight here, and uh, I will pause it as we get closer uh, to our approach. So it is definitely stormy conditions. We are about uh, right around 2,200 feet. Uh, we're traveling uh, about 100 knots, give or take uh, um, five knots or so. It is um, severe conditions. If you want to uh, lessen the storm uh, weather conditions to be more reasonable, um, for your flight, feel free to do so. You can always put it on uh, kind of a, a adjust the weather once you land for the actual ambiance of this mysterious airport. Even though uh, Microsoft considers it a active airport, um, there's very, very little activity uh, going on, even with all of your activity sliders pushed all the way to the right. So it, it's like they partially recognize that this is an abandoned airport, um, but you will see there is an area of tarmac where you will see planes parked and uh, some trucks and vehicles active. But um, there's also a part where there is nothing there. And uh, we're going to try to find that um, uh, when we get on the ground. We are definitely struggling with some turbulence. I'm using my throttle control to try to manage my altitude. Uh, the Cessna 152 uh, trims very nicely under normal weather conditions. And uh, these weather conditions are a bit of a challenge, but that's part of the fun. If, like I said before, you are a newer pilot, um, and you want to just fly, uh, you can set it for rain or you can set it for clear skies um, if, uh, if this is uh, early flight for you. Um, we're decreasing altitude and uh, I'm going to try to bring it down to a thousand feet as we get uh, closer to our destination. We're now flying at about 1,200 feet in decreasing altitude. Um, we are traveling, uh, as we decrease altitude, we're traveling about 105 knots. And I'm going to have to slow just uh, everything down a little bit as uh, we get closer to the runway. We're going to make a dog leg turn uh, to the east soon. I'm uh, still hovering at around 1,200 feet. I uh, brought the airspeed down to under 100 knots. 
Um, we're still a little bit away, um, and uh, we'll start bleeding off some altitude soon. I haven't engaged my flaps yet, and of course, uh, this is a fixed landing gear uh, aircraft, so there's not going to be um, any kind of landing gear deployment. You see the sun setting in the west. It's a beautiful sunset. The clouds are breaking up a little bit. It's still uh, rain and lightning conditions. Um, we're making that uh, easterly turn and we're lining up with the runway. The runway is just out of sight. The cloud, the visibility is definitely uh, fluctuating. And uh, as we get uh, closer to the runway, I will uh, reconnect with you guys. I have the runway off my left wing tip. I'm turning into it now. My flaps are on full. little bit of wind gusts and turbulence. It's affecting the old 152, but uh, we're going to crab it in a little bit. We're on our final approach. We're going to go ahead and land. Bringing throttle out, and we're going to flare, and wheels should be touching now. Not bad, a little bit harsh, and uh, applying brakes. And I'm just going to pick a spot here to stop the plane, clean up the little bit, flaps up. And uh, we're taking this taxiway here. I believe it's the second taxiway to the left if you want to absolutely recreate what I'm doing, but it's uh, really not necessary. Okay, and we're going to brake and uh, shut down the aircraft right here, and then I'm going to re... Uh, I'm going to load everything up on the Xbox uh, version and... Uh, um, travel around uh, using the large screen TV and I'll get back with you guys uh, when we do that. Alright, I have everything loaded on the Xbox now and uh, the airplane has matched where the computer is which is just outside of the main 
terminal. It's off the C. Uh, let's see. Let's recreate the landing here. So we landed uh, pretty good considering the winds and everything with a, a little bit uh, of a jolt. I mean, that's really an exaggeration. Runway 14. Um, just slightly harder than I would want to. We didn't bounce. There was no floaty. And we came down uh, runway 14 and exited to our left, I believe, on uh, taxiway C. Yes, it was indeed C. And there is a, looks to be a more modern terminal building. Um, there is some aircraft parked, and there are, oddly enough, as soon as you land, and this is the third or fourth time that I've done that, done this, um, emergency vehicles with the red and blue lights, they look to be law enforcement be, uh, vehicles, immediately surround your aircraft, which I thought uh, was pretty weird. We are in uh, showcase mode. This looks like it might be the original terminal building. Um, a little bit further down, that looks like the photographs of it. It's uh, not uh, one of the handmade ones, so um, you're not going to get... Uh, too much on the inside but it doesn't take long or far to really get the feeling of the isolation and the aloneness of this airport um, there are some parked aircraft. There's no uh, moving aircraft. There is a, uh, if you look around to find it, they have a either a 737 or an A20. I didn't look at it carefully enough. And it seems to be parked where an old aircraft that has been abandoned is parked um, in some of the YouTube videos. So really to get the feel of this whole thing, you might want to look at the YouTube videos and as I said, just uh, type in Abandoned Nicosia Airport or Abandoned Nicosia International Airport, Cyprus, and you will see uh, a myriad of videos that are available. Choose the one that looks the most interesting to you. And so as we wander around this long deserted airport, it uh, it is said 
by uh, those that come here, that they hear uh, voices, um, children laughing and uh, voices, and they even hear like announcements over the uh, PA system, like off in the distance. And um, of course that's not possible because uh, there's nobody there. Um, the light, they do keep the lights on and you can go up to the roof and look around. Um, it is not far uh, before you get into uh, housing. It was uh, the main international airport to Cyprus and it was uh, sort of nestled in a uh, suburb. Uh, of the capital city. So, um, it, it, it just really is weird. And, you know, especially if you do it with, uh, darkness coming on, we're now almost at full night. You can start to see the stars. Um, the storm is more often to the distant, but, uh, you will see, uh, lightning strikes and, uh, and the like, and it is just pretty spooky and really cool. And uh, so, go ahead and fly that flight. It's as challenging as you want to make it. Give it some uh, weather conditions that make it, uh, um, and fly the Cessna 152, and it'll be a challenging landing. I, uh, I kid you not. If you are not as advanced as a pilot, um, then you might want to adjust your weather conditions accordingly. Anyways, I thought this would be pretty cool airport to explore on a Halloween night, and I invite all of you to do so. I, thought, I hope that you've had a safe Halloween uh, if your Halloween is over, and... Um, I really appreciate spending time with you on this uh, Halloween night here. And uh, I want you all to take care of yourselves because that is indeed the best way to take care of others. I enjoy making these podcasts for you so, so much. We look forward to the November podcast coming up and we have a myriad of topics to talk about. I'm already writing a list. And so I will see all you guys then. Take care. I love all of you. And uh, happy Halloween.